Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. As a competitor, uh, if you're trying to do something meaningful, if you don't have the mindset that you're the best ever, you failed already. So if you don't have the mindset that you are the best reporter ever, then you already failed. And that's been my mindset since I can remember. That will be my mindset as long as I can remember anything, that I am the best ever at what I do. And every day that I step on a basketball floor, I will strive to be that. But my mindset will always be as such as I am the best to do what I do. And that'll give me a shot at being the best. But before you can ever reach anything, you have to believe it. You don't just mistakenly become great at something. You probably at one point, at one time or another, believe that you can be great at that. And then you work to get great at that and you reach that greatness. But you don't mistakenly become great. And then you start to believe, oh man, I'm great at that. No, you, you believe that before and you work to get that. So I always believe that. All right. Welcome to Canel and Bell. That was Draymond Green, uh, talking about greatness before the NBA finals tip off tonight. Warriors Raptors, 9 p.m. Uh, Danny Canel hanging out with Rajah Bell. Big show we got to get to. Kawhi Leonard is the most humble superstar, you know, possibly. Um, there is a 13 year old professional soccer player. That is getting a contract with Nike. She's already had it, but we're going to discuss that. Sports Illustrated had a big uh, piece about her. And I'll have some fun to finish off the show. But Draymond Green right there said, uh, you have to believe you're the best in order to be the best. Did you think when you were in the NBA you were the best player in the NBA? No. I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I kind of disagree with what he's saying. Yeah. I think you can have goals. You should try to achieve your best. I think you should try to achieve greatness. But that's a different definition for everybody out there. Yeah, I, look, some of what he said has some some merit and some validity, and I agree. Other parts of it, like believing you're the best before you are the best, like I, I don't I don't agree with that. Like you strive, you know, you 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 strive to be. You don't you don't know that you're the best when you're coming up, right? Like part of me being who I was and being able to achieve the things I achieved was because I knew unequivocally I was not the best, and so my my quest to try to be in that conversation allowed me to do some pretty cool things, right? Um, now I was at a different level as a pro, as I'm sure you were, than, than, than Kobe and MJ and Steve Nash or, or, you know, uh, Tom Brady for you. You know, those guys are in a different air. And so I do believe that to be the best, you have to believe you are the best. I just understood that I was not the best. But that never stopped me from from trying to go out there and make my mark against the best. You know what I mean? I was um, so I started. I became the starter my second year in the NFL for the New York Giants. We had some success. We went to the playoffs. We lost, but I was the starter. So I had some companies try to come to me and uh, represent me for marketing. Yeah. So I had this guy. I'll never forget this. This guy for Octagon, a uh, big marketing agency, sitting down with me. He's trying to get to know me. He's doing his sales pitch, like trying to get me to be represented by his firm. And he looked at me and he was like, do you think you're the greatest quarterback ever to play? Or do you think that's what you can be? Yeah. And if I told him, I was like, yeah. 
in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know if I'm that good. And right. I don't know. Like, I just – and it was different because when I played baseball growing up, I felt like I was the best player on the field. I felt I could beat anybody. I could strike at anybody. I could hit a home run off any pitcher I faced. Right. Football, totally different for me. But I mean, I didn't start playing it till later. I didn't feel like I was even – I thought I was probably one of the worst athletes on the field. Right. I just had to use my brain and try to do the right job and get the ball in the right guy's hands. But I never felt like I was the best in the game. Maybe that's why I wasn't as good or anything like that. doesn't mean I didn't work hard. I didn't want to be good. But I had a more, I guess, more realistic expectation. You know what? And maybe it was. Maybe there was a chip missing in me or something that didn't was, drive me to What was the that. question that was posed to him? Good uh, question. Because I, while I didn't feel I clearly wasn't the best player in the NBA, I wouldn't. I wasn't disillusioned like that. There were things that I would tell you I was the best at. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when I played, if you asked who the best shooter was, I'd tell you it was me. Like, whether that's true or not, like, I'd tell you, yes, I'm the best shooter. But to Draymond's point, and one of the ones I agreed with, you have to convince yourself um, that you are the dude. Mm -hmm. No one can do that for you, you know? And we talk about raising kids, and I talk to my wife about our kids. uh, One of the big messages to them when when they're doing anything is, hey, man, you got to believe it first. If you don't believe it, 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 no one else is going to believe it. You have to believe it and own it. And so also defensively, like if you had asked me, like who was the best on-ball defender when I played? Yeah, you know, Bruce Bowen was good on the ball. Another guy, Ron, Ron Artest, Meta was good on the ball. But I would have told you me, you know, but I wasn't the best player. I would have never told you that. But if you had asked me pointed specific questions, yeah, I might have told you I was the best at that. And here's where, and this is where I think he was talking about, which I totally agree with. He's like, you don't just become great by accident. There's a lot of work. Oh, there's sure. a lot of belief. There's a lot of, you know, stuff that goes on behind the scenes. If you would tell me, like now I look back on it and I watch Tom Brady and I watch Drew Brees and I don't think they're more physically talented than right. I was. I think my arm was just about as strong. I think I could have, you know, a- achieved about the same amount of accuracy if I had worked as hard as they did. Right. And that's one of my big regrets, but I also didn't have that drive that they did to do that for whatever reason. I mean, I don't think I loved the sport of football as much. Talked about baseball. I love baseball. I kind of like football. I liked what it brought to me, which is why, again, I don't think I was that good, but I try to instill that in my kids all the time. Do you realize that potential is in you to be that great? You've got to put in the hours and the work to get to that level. So it's pretty interesting comment. Uh, from Draymond on that one. The question that was posed to Draymond was, you say you're the best defender ever and why you have that kind of conviction. So why do you oh, have that? Well, look, so, which is okay. great. Like, and he, he makes a pretty good case. In that, in that, in that lane, I'm in a hundred percent agree. Like your job as a Draymond, as a Kawhi, as a, you know, as a me when I played is to go out there and the dude that you're guarding, he believes he's the greatest. Like Kobe, believe yeah. he was the greatest ever. You know, if I went matched up against MJ in my earlier career, he may be the greatest ever. You know, LeBron, greatest ever. Uh So if you don't have that belief in yourself, like you don't have a chance you're going to get roasted. You might get roasted anyway, but you still have to believe, yo, I, can, I got this. This this is mine. And so if that was the question, I I, I agree with Draymond's, you know, uh, um uh, thoughts about him as, as a defensive player. I just, I like people to also have a firm grip in, in reality. Right. And if you're going to say you're the greatest to ever play, like, I don't know that Draymond should be that disillusioned, but in terms of defender, I got no problem with you saying you're the best defender. What's ever. tricky when you're asked that question from the media is sometimes it's better to maybe lie or not tell the truth. Like, for instance, uh, Robert Griffin III, when he was the quarterback for the Redskins, he was coming back from his ACL and some reporter asked him, Either do you, how good do you think you are? How good do you think you can be? And he's like, I believe I'm the best quarterback in the NFL. And he clearly wasn't at the time. Right. And he got skewered for it from the media. It'd be similar if 
say Baker Mayfield had a really good rookie year. If he's asked today, you know, how good do you think you are? And he's like, I think I'm the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. He would get skewered for saying that, even though that's probably should be his mindset, to his drive. That. He's just yeah. set the rookie record for touchdown passes. He should try to think, think that because that's where you get to that level. You have to believe it first, which is another thing I believe with Draymond, but you have to be careful sometimes with what you reveal to the media. Sometimes your personal goals are better kept personal, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I've always said I kind of like, like, you know, it's LeBron's the shop and stuff like that. I, I think it's refreshing when, when athletes give you the, like, the real, like, I, I, yeah. you know, again, I, I should probably ask before what that sound was prior to him answering the question. If they ask that man if he's the best defender, like, who's yeah. the best defender? And he, he said, I, yes, <laughs> I am the best defender in the game because I'm about to go down and lock Kawhi up. Without question. Uh, all right. So we have the series. We have Draymond talking. Uh, Kawhi Leonard also talked to the media yesterday. Here he was talking and we're going to get to some of his, Humility after we hear from him. I'm not playing a game for that reason. You know, I'm out here playing to have fun and trying to be the best player I could be. And, you know, I'm happy with myself and, you know, what I have done in my career. And I'm just going to keep going from there. It's not about me being famous or want to have more fame than those guys. It's, it's about me playing basketball and having fun on the floor. All right, so that's a different way to approach it. I want to be the best basketball player I can be. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, I think that was the perfect answer for like how you would want a guy to handle it because I'm not in it for the fame. I'm not in it for the money. Even though maybe right. even the back of you're like, all right, come on, whatever. You're still making a lot of money. But I think he does come across as this extremely humble. I wonder if it's more personality driven, if he's just shy. Right. But with answers like that that are very – Unassuming, hey, I'm in it for the team. I just want to win championships. Yes. I'm down with that. I love those. I love that answer. At your, at your like rookie seminar when they're doing, um, <laughs> that's how to what handle they should the show and stuff like that. That's, that's cut, cut straight from that, right? Like that's the politically correct, uh, way to handle that. I would be interested to know, cause we talked about humility. You know, you could project humility, um, and, and still have this belief like I believe that if you ask Kawhi behind closed doors who the best defender in the in the NBA is he would say him he would say him right he just handled the media in a more palatable way for most people but make no mistakes you don't become Kawhi Leonard and and do the things that he does on a basketball court without believing that that he's the best at that who all right so let's get into the matchup itself because it is the NBA finals it's the biggest stage of that sport you've been on that stage what is going through these players' minds right now as they're, you know, 12 hours, 11, 12 hours from tip-off? Yeah, see, uh, are they trying to treat it like any other of game? Of course. I mean, you're trying to treat it like playoffs itself takes a, it ramps up from the regular season. So there's this extra juice that's around. When you go to the finals, what, what happens is there's like that much more media availability and there, there's throngs of outlets coming at you from all over the world that you don't normally see in regular season or regular postseason play. Like this just becomes this different media animal. And that's where you really notice the change, right? And mm-hmm. and all of these extra people that are around every time you get off the bus. Um but when you get into the locker room and you're preparing and 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 your day to day, everything is normal. You know, it's 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 all normal stuff. And when you get out into the game, you know, you you to the best of your ability, will will manage those emotions, and that's where the experience comes in for Golden State. Like they've been there and done that. The question for Toronto players is, can they keep it um, even keeled, like 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 they have, and treat it like it's just another postseason game, or do they 
spike their adrenaline level and and they come out of the gate and they're so fried early that they that they can't kind of regain composure. Did you ever this didn't happen to me that much in the NFL, but it's sometimes playing basketball because it was a little bit different because you were running like you could catch your breath in NFL. Yeah. But when I was in high school, I vividly recall playing in games, big moments, and like I would get the worst dry mouth because I couldn't breathe. Like I and I was running around like a chicken with my head yeah. cut off. Like I had to settle down and like get a break and get some water. Like I couldn't do it. Did that occur to you or do you think that occurs to some of these guys yeah. because it's a different stage and it's managing that energy it didn't happen to me in the finals my finals experience i was saying it yesterday it happened so quickly like there i am there I, it is I, right now i'm like three weeks out of the cba i don't even know what's <laughs> i don't even know where i am right now right like that was the blessing uh for me is that it happened so fast i couldn't really like you're almost naive right you yeah, i couldn't know grasp the situation like i didn't know i was just happy to be out of the cba um i do think that there are guys that look at this one uh, okay, I don't know what to do. Pump Bad pump pass to you. Uh, oh, big step through. Oh, oh, Up left underneath. That left. Uh, <laughs> just having no clue where I am. Just being on the park <laughs> playing basketball. Yeah. Um, if I had understood the gravity of that, probably not as composed as I looked out there, right? And so I do think there are dudes, and that'll be the interesting thing to see who it happens to tonight. Like whether, you know, cause some of the role players for Golden State that now have to play in these moments don't have a lot of experience either. Like the, the McKinney's of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but Toronto more so will these guys not be able to, to, to conserve their energy, right? That's what it boils down to. Can you, can you manage your energy? Like, does it all come flying out of you? Like as soon as you hit the court and now you've got this dry mouth scenario going on and you're spent and you're like, <laughs> right. oh my God, I need a sub or can you pace yourself? Can you gradually get into the game? Are, are you dialed in mentally? You conserve that energy. You, you dole it out, you know, in a, in a way that you normally would. And that's the challenge for dudes in, in, in a situation they've never been in before. I think that's the biggest challenge is managing energy levels and emotions. Like those right. two things. Cause you're going to prep. Sometimes you over prep and you expend energy. So you're tired. You're gassed in the second half. Right. Uh, you know what I would do if I was playing either one of these teams? I would gather as much information as I possibly could. Including talking to maybe their old coaches, especially if we were oh, friends. Okay. So Steve Kerr and, uh, Greg Popovich, they had dinner, uh, last week. There was a picture of them that kind of went viral because it would look like it was a secret camera. Yeah. Like somebody right. snuck the photo on him, which is so annoying. That's so what we live in today. But they, uh, Steve Kerr was asked about it, said, did you talk about Kawhi Leonard? Uh, and he said, oh, that made it out on Twitter, question mark, like he didn't know. Was it with a third guy in between us? Was my wife in it? Did somebody take that photo from the street or something? Well, no. The conversation over the co- took course over the two hours and several bottles of wine, according to Kerr. Much less about basketball than about two friends of nearly 20 years catching up and talking about families and life. I don't believe him. You don't, I do. You do? I mean. You don't think one little Kawhi. conversation oh. came up about Kawhi? Kawhi could have come up in, in the casual conversation, but I don't think it was a sit down and detail. Right here, draw like, this up. Yes. How, what, are, what are Kawhi's weaknesses? Right. Like, what didn't he do well for the Spurs? I don't believe it was that kind of conversation. Pop is legendary and well known for his dinners. Um, you know, with staff and with friends and the, the and wine flowing of the wine. <laughs> and I do think this was just two guys kind of getting together and, and chopping it up and having a good time. Um, uh, Kawhi's name probably came up at some point, but way, way less, um, uh, uh, of a detailed conversation about him as a player and probably more just kind of, you know, do you think any of it went down? Maybe it wasn't even about the, how do you stop him? But how crazy was that situation when he wasn't playing and like, you know, his, his medical stuff, how hard was that trade? 
Um, like I could see that. Like again, he's as two basketball guys just getting up, catching up. Like that's if you had faced something that was an adverse situation, I might ask you like over some wine, like, Hey man, how hard was that for you to deal with? Or yeah. what did you do to get by? Like, and kind of be able to laugh about it, but it's going to come up. Yeah, it might. I don't know that now's the time. Um, <laughs> right. Be getting into that. If you're Steve Kerr and, and you know, some of these guys keep those cards really close to their vest. Like you guys can have conversation. You can drink a bottle of wine, two bottles of wine, sit there for a couple hours and hang out. But some of those things about what happened behind the closed doors in your organization, when I work for another organization, should be kept in your organization. Do you know what I mean? So right. I don't know if those type of beans are spilled. They are really good friends, though. I was I was on the team uh, briefly that Steve Kerr was on with Pop. It's crazy that that was that long ago. But, like, he goes way back with Pop. You're talking about a, a, a life uh, – you know, a lifetime of basketball friendship there. So, you know, I, I believe they were just chopping it up. Clearly. Uh, and hopefully they had a good, uh, dinner and a glass of wine. Um, Kevin Durant, uh, Steve Kerr, the other thing we learned yesterday when Steve Kerr talked to the media was he said, part of our process is you have to, in order, if you're an injured player, yeah, whoever it is, you have to come back, you have to practice first, you have to prove you can practice, then you get to play. He said, Kevin Durant hasn't even practiced with us yet. Yeah. There was some speculation because KD was in Toronto with the team that maybe he'd be available game one or probably more likely game two. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I think they get him there because it's a longer trip. There's another day off. They can yeah. have with their medical training staff and he can keep his rehab going on the road. Plus it's probably a fun trip that he might not want to like, might not mind being on. Correct. It's one thing to miss like the Western Conference finals in Portland. Um, if you don't want to go on that one. But now it's the finals. So even if you know you're not going to play, you, you don't want to sit home for the finals games in Toronto. You know what I mean? You 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 want to go. And so do you think he plays? I don't. A series? I don't think he plays a series at all. I think he does if they need him in Game Six or Seven. Like if it goes that long, it'll be like a Willis Reed thing. You think it'll be yeah. that heroic? Yeah. He. I'm. Well, it'll look like that where he's yeah. just like dragging his leg around. That that injury doesn't heal like that. And if you don't let it heal, and you run out there on it, it. it I could feel my calf when I tried to do it get worse and worse through the game. Like it just progressively got worse. And that that's what's going to happen to that injury if it's not healed. So he won't be able to do what he's supposed to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. Bruh. So you just read Bruh. the report that Carlos Correa injured his rib during a massage. Oh, what I we got to like. come up with better excuses, don't we? Bruh, what I look like to you. <laughs> Not somebody that would believe on, that. A fractured rib? In the massage? How does... I mean, I've been in pain before during a massage. I've been almost in tears because they get up, they get that elbow in there pretty good, that deep tissue massage. Not in your ribs. No, exactly. That's my thing. That's what I was going to get to. Like, it's in your bigger muscles and your back. Correct. Is there anything where you could see it sliding with some of the massage oil ah. or something? I just, how do people fall for this? What did the Astros Oh, do? I don't, I, no, no Astros I guess we're not. Astros didn't fall for that. Well, why would you even come with that excuse? I don't know. Like, that sounds really dumb. I'm not even, I, 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 why are we talking about that? That is the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever, what are you talking about? You got a, a fractured rib 
during a massage. Come on, man. He didn't even say it was deep tissue. No, that's one of those. Come out with that. Come on, man. You got like you got to sit there. You how much time did you have? You have to imagine you had a night. Yeah, like, to come up, to with, come something. up with something. That's what you roll in there with. Sometimes people are under the mindset that the wilder and crazier story you come up with, the more believable it is. Right. Maybe so no one is. can make that up. <laughs> right. You gotta, so on. I guess maybe that's where he's going. Or uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Four to six weeks too. I mean, that's a pretty significant <laughs> injury from a massage. If that masseuse isn't fired on the spot. But then yeah. I feel kind of bad for the masseuse. Yeah, was it a club? Was it a club employed masseuse? Was that like right? A massage envy? Like where, <laughs> right. where were you? Where you got crack rib? Or maybe a Robert Kraft <laughs> joint? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not that one because they're not going that deep. Right. All right, let's move it on. Keep it moving. <laughs> we'll keep it keep moving. It moving. Keep it moving. Uh, the uh, Houston Rockets, yeah. uh, once they were bounced from the NBA playoffs this year, uh, they looked like they were set up prime. Kevin Durant goes down. They look like they have the opportunity going back to Houston to really maybe. Make that next step, knock off the Warriors. They don't. They come up short. It was pretty ugly. At the time, my initial reaction was, oh, they should just blow it up. But then when you sit back and think about it, it's like, man, that's really hard to do. You're basically starting over. Do you really want to do that? And I was like, they probably won't. They'll try to add a piece or two. Right. But there's now a report that comes out that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski came out with and said, Daryl Morey is showing a, quote, aggressive desire to improve Rockets' roster, would consider moving Chris Paul in the right deal, Clint Capella in the right deal, and it essentially sounded like anybody else except for James Harden. Yeah, I mean... Is that surprising to you that he'd be no, willing to go to these lengths? Not surprising uh for Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey isn't afraid to, to, to swing a deal, so... The fact that he would be uh, willing to do that at this point isn't surprising to me. I, I I think he has a plan for what he wants to do there, um, and his plans sometimes are outside of the box. Do you know what I mean? And so I thought that this could be actually another year of extending their window there in Houston. While it didn't work this year, you know, if something should happen to that Golden State franchise and Kevin Durant leaves, I mean, you're still sitting in a really good position to, to, to vie for the Western Conference. Um, you know, the question would be, what do you get back for a Chris Paul who's got three years and $124 million on a deal? He's not even a, he's not even a star player anymore. He's still a 34, star. but he's getting older. He's yeah. starting to de- deteriorate he, oh, yeah. somewhat. Like that's a pretty expensive He's contract. been deteriorating. Like it's, he's a star name, but he's not a star player anymore. Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, Clint Capella, it, James Harden's window, you're in it. You're in the prime of his career. So you don't really have the time to start from scratch, right? If you were to move these players, you have to have viable, you know, Batmans, I mean, Robins to, to, to James Harden's Batmans coming in. This can't be where you're going to try to develop kids and make a run at it again in another three years. I just don't know what's going to be out there for them to possibly do. Uh, James Harden said, it, quote, he knows exactly what the Rockets need to get over the hump. What would you say it would be? Uh, they need another playmaker, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Chris Paul can make plays. I was lobbying for him to have the ball more like on this show in the finals because I thought last year they were much more dangerous. Uh, I thought um, that the ability to have two dudes go at their man from the top of the key area made them that much harder to guard. It, it's kind of devolved into just James Harden. It's hard for me to know whether that's just because James Harden is that type of player that winds up completely dominating the ball and Mike D'Antoni lets him do that or um, if it was one of those things where James Harden looked around and saw that CP3 couldn't do it anymore and Mike D'Antoni was like okay CP3 can't do it anymore so it's all got to be James Harden but I think they need another player 
that can from the wing kind of play and go get buckets. Uh, and I think they need, you know, some kind of big presence that can score the ball, like and probably can shoot it a little bit. You know, do you think he's uh, Daryl Moore is doing this to kind of say, hey? We're open for business too, because when you look at some of the odds of where the bigger name free yeah. agents are go, it's usually the same teams. Is it Lakers, Clippers, um, you know, Nets, Knicks? Uh, you know, those are kind of like the teams, the sure. potential landing. No one spots. has ever said Houston, right. right? So I think that's almost him, like sending up the flag, like, "Hey, well, our phones work too. If you want to call, we're interested in possibly making some of those deals," which right. I think is interesting. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, your guy, uh, you played for him. You're a big fan of his. There's also speculation with his. His contract negotiations, he has one more year left on his deal, have come to a stall, a stalling point. Are you concerned at all that that would be a part of the, hey, we're going in a different direction? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm concerned for Mike as a friend, but, you know, as somebody running that organization, um, you would have to entertain Mike not being there anymore if you're going to reshuffle that deck and, and, if, if you've said what we've done the last few years just isn't good enough and now it's time to make a move to kind of either blow it up or retool it, Mike has to be in that conversation as well. But don't – see, here's what I get frustrated. and I mean, I guess you could look at the Raptors and say, well, look at what they did. They had a really good squad with Dwayne Casey, and then they fired him after he was named Coach of the Year. And then now they're right back, and everybody's like, what a great coach Nick Nurse is. He doesn't have to go through LeBron. Right. You know, like what would be interesting is you could see a similar scenario if the Rockets say we're going in a different direction and then Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors – you know, maybe something yeah, totally. else happens, and then you're like the next coach. And I'm not taking away from Nick Nurse, but like, have they really haven't done that much more yet? Like, if they knocked off the Warriors, that'd be epic. That would be a monster, you know, monster, uh, epic proportions. But they haven't done that yet. And, and they've also person. and they've also got better players. I mean, you got Kawhi right now. exactly. They so got if you got him better. The next guy after Mike, if Mike should leave, you got him better players. And Kevin Durant exits Golden State. To your point, Mike would have probably been able to do the same thing with a better player next to James Harden and a lesser team in Golden I, State. I just I, if they did make a, a a choice to change and move on to a different head coach, I would just hope they were doing it because they had a lot of information behind closed doors that it just wasn't working. But it looks like they're close, and it looks like they're running against one of the best dynasties that we've seen in the sport. Yeah. So, like, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, not just results-based. Well, we keep getting bounced by the Warriors. I'm, I'm not lobbying for Mike to be moved. I just – I think Mike has to go back. Mike has let that thing take on a life of its own, that that, that James Harden just dominating the ball at the top of the key. That That is not winning. But this, I'm, wasn't I'm that by necessity, that though? I don't know. Like, that was ball was hurt and they had Capella. They had a lot of injuries. I don't know. Yeah. All right, like that's I, I don't know if before he got injured they were sitting around in training camp saying, "Man, Chris can't get to the basket anymore. He's not collapsing defenses. He's not creating the way he used to create. He doesn't finish either." So you know we have to retool this offense and just make it the James Harden show. Or if James Harden turned into this version of James Harden because Chris Paul was out and they just could never get back to playing together, you know. But Mike, it's your job to figure out how to put that team in the best position to win. And and offensively, I don't think they did that this year. I really don't believe, even with Chris Paul not being himself or, or not being as good as he was, I don't think the recipe is to always be James Harden at the top of the key going ISO or high pick and roll. Yep, and I think uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on this story because now that they are showing a desire to maybe uh, blow things up, there might be some moves that will have to be made. All right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. So amateur sports seem to be on the cusp of major change, right? Uh, I think college football and basketball players within, I would say within two or three years are probably going to be uh, able to accept money for their likeness, sign endorsement deals with different uh, companies, whether it's local car dealerships or possibly even shoe companies. So you could see the uh, things changing uh, in a major way across uh, sports. Two to three, huh? 
I think so. Yeah. I think I think it's I think it's that close. I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on the NCAA um, and college basketball and football specifically because those are the ones that are making the most money to do something that's more player friendly and uh, allows kids to to make that money when all the coaches are making so much. So I think that's right around the corner. Um, it doesn't leave a lot of alternatives still for players. We were just talking about RJ Hampton yesterday skipping um, college basketball, even the one year, the one and done to go you know play in New Zealand. Sean Marion's team, by the way, I got some more clarity on that. That's the team in New Zealand. Oh, really? That's that's who it is. So, Sean Marion's. Oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. So, so he'll have some. Yeah, and if you're a good mentor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason I bring all this up, Sports Illustrated. Uh, Chris Ballard is a writer for Sports Illustrated. Wrote an wrote incredible piece on Olivia Moultrie. If you haven't heard of her yet, you probably will. Maybe you've even seen her on TV, but you don't even notice it yet, as she's uh, featured in some of Nike's new commercials that are out there. She is a child prodigy awesome. of a, a, in the sport of soccer where she actually was offered a full scholarship by the University of North Carolina, who, by the way, are one of the best uh, women's uh, soccer teams in the country. When she was 11, she accepted it, but she said, you know what, as much as that sounds great. I'm going to go ahead and take this offer from Nike. Nike Nike offered her the exact numbers aren't uh haven't been reported but they're saying it's six figures. Right. So she signed a contract to be a professional athlete with Nike. Now my first question was and this at the time I think we might have hit on it a little bit on this show when it was announced was all right, well where is she going to play? Right. Because she can't play with other junior kids and some of these city league teams or other, you know, ODP and all these uh, other yeah. things that go on. She's actually practicing with a professional women's soccer team in Portland. Um, there's a lot of really unique things that are happening, uh, happening that are going on right here. First of all, the fact she is 13, she's a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's not allowed to play because they have a rule that you have to be 18 in order. Other girls have skipped college to turn pro, but they've been 18, so they go straight to the women's professional right. league. She is not. She Her family has moved to Portland for this. Uh, they have her homeschooling so she can train, quote, eight hours a day, which is a lot, even if you're a professional athlete, that seems like an enormous amount just to be training. Right. Um, in that position, she's out there. She's five feet four, but she's practicing with grown women, some of them in their thirties that she's practicing against, against. My initial thought when I read this entire article was, man, I hope this girl doesn't end up messed up. Yeah. You know, it seems like a tremendous amount of pressure. To put on a 13 year old and not that it even comes from her, but that it comes from her parents, um, who are mentioned throughout, you know, they, they say the right things like, Hey, she, it's coming from her. It's her passion. We're just trying to give her the chance to succeed. And we're, you know, we're monitoring, make sure she's as normal as possible. I just, I think of the stories like Todd Marinovich, who sure. was the famous, you know, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and his yeah. dad, uh, Marv Marinovich. And now he's, you know, got a very serious issues with drug addiction. Yep. I think of Jennifer Capriotti, Capriotti. tennis player who, yeah. when I, when I was little, she was the child star and she's had run-ins. Even with soccer here in America, Freddie Adu. Yep. I mean, I don't know that he's got any personal problems, but never really panned out to be that type of prodigy at the pro level, you know? Yeah. It's for me, like we both have kids. And I always find myself, and maybe this is me, like, having the realistic expectation of, you know what? My daughters probably aren't going to be professional athletes. Like, and I'm okay with that. Yep. I just want them to have fun, 
And I do want them to learn to compete. I want sports to be a part of their lives because I think, it, as we talked a lot about yesterday, it, it teaches you really valuable life lessons. I think it keeps you out of trouble. Um, there's something good about, you know, have a physical fitness that yeah. you're out there. And yes, I want them to be the best at what they do. And I want to give them every opportunity, but I think taking them out of school and, you know, moving across the country just specifically for them. And they might even be the sole source of income for your family at yeah, 13. A lot of pressure is way too much pressure. Uh, yeah, not at 13. I mean, when, when, when people, your junior and senior year in high school, if you decide you want to pull them out of school and go like, you know, some people will get up and move and go to an IMG or something like that because, you know, the school in Connecticut wasn't providing what they needed. Like, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Once that kid's almost ready to go to school or become a pro at whatever he's doing, but, at 13, I think it's a lot, and you kind of touched on everything I was going to say. I think we got to be, you know, real careful, and I want to be clear. I am guilty of this at times too, of of interpreting my son's want to do something um, as more than it is, right? Like they want to do it, and then I run with it, and I blow it up into something that they're like, wait, 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 this is too much, you know? And I'm I'm blessed that my wife kind of was like, bro, you got you know, chill out, man. He said, and I. I have to do it because I was a pro, right? And the way I see things, and I had this conversation with my son the other day about basketball, is like I see things through a pro lens, right? So when it's time to train and you say you want to make your high school team and that's his goal, we set the smaller goals, right? Like the first goal for them was making his middle school team this year. And then the next goal for that, he did that, right? Was like, can you start on your middle school team this year? Can you start seventh and eighth grade? And then it'll be making a high school team, right? And then they have to determine – whether or not they want to play in college or not. My wife and I are in agreement that we want them to play something in high school because we think um, that sports develop, you know, great leadership skills and, mm-hmm. and character building and there's a pool of friends that you develop and, you know, there are great benefits of sport, keeping you out of trouble and so on and so forth. But no one's obligated to play anything in college. That will be something that we'll ask. Like, do you want to play it in college? And then if they say yes, what happens to me, though, is like I only know how to train like a pro. So I've got to be really cognizant, and my wife does, about saying, hey, Rod, like you got you got to scale it back a little bit, man. They're only 12, you know? And so I, I do that because I have to remind myself, like, this is not yours, dude. This is theirs. Like, you already had yours. And so that's what speaks to me in this. Like, I, I don't believe that an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old should be able to make a decision that they want to go all in, eggs in the basket, be a pro. Like, part of our job as parents is to protect kids from themselves at times, right? Mm-hmm. And to steer them in the right direction. And I don't believe that at 12 or 13 years old – um, kids, kids need to be sole breadwinners for their family and out there treating it like it's a profession. You know what else you're missing out on is hanging out with your other childhood, twelve and thirteen yeah. year olds. Like right. she's hanging around with grown women. Like yes. one of those soccer players said, I asked her to go get coffee so I could see if she just wanted to get away from her dad. And she's like, I, I realized she doesn't drink coffee because right. she's only thirteen years old. Right. It's that's the biggest concern for me is we're worried, you know, we're all, a lot of the articles focus on our parents are on our physical development. Hey, is she progressing? Is she on pace to compete with these grown women? What about emotionally? Like, what are they doing emotionally? And they say in the article that, hey, they're trying to make sure she's balanced and that she does have friends her age, but you are going to be treated differently when you're training eight hours a day because that's not what he's doing. I get you want to be special. What is uh, the, what is the, what is the rush for her? That's what I don't what know. What is the rush? Is, is it financial? Because then that's an that's, that's a not other, a good it's motive. A whole other conversation, right? But like that's that. not a good motive no. either, especially at that age. No, you're you're using. I mean, you're using your child's ability up right now, right? There's a long there's a, 
Anyway. Yeah. So Megan Rapino, I thought, uh, who's, you know, a legend of the, uh, women's soccer had an interesting quote and she said, and this is, this is why I always go to when you're talking about expectations of your children and, and to myself included. 99% of kids are not going to be at that level, talking about the professional level. So what does that do to them? Are you just setting them up for failure? I have so many parents asking me, what can I do to get my kid on the national team? And this sounds so mean, but I'm like, your kid is 14 and clearly not going to play on the national team. Not ever. There are 25 women out of jillions of girls on the national team. It's not like you failed if you didn't make it. Uh, and she gets more passionate. It's just selfish of these parents. Have a bit of self-awareness and just allow your child to play. There's so many kids out there who are disappointed or feel like they failed, and that's bull bleep. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is where I feel like, again, self-checking myself. Like, my daughter lost her tournament this last weekend. She finished second in her tour, but I knew with where she was in her development, that was awesome for her. Yes. And when I saw her crying because she didn't win, I felt awful. I'm like, no, 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 you need to celebrate this. This is progress. This is part of a bigger plan. Right. And that plan isn't to go to college or go to the LPGA. It's just to get better and try to push yourself to work a little bit harder and to be the best you can be. But man, is it tough because so many parents, you start investing money in coaches and, you know, trainers and personal, you know, all this stuff that you put money into. And then the parents are like, well, if I'm shelling all, all, shelling out all this money, I better get return and they better get a scholarship to college. And that's just, that's not a healthy environment for any kid. Danny, I'm, look, I'm very aware of my faults. Like I was just saying some of them, but I have many times in my youth program, I have to be the voice of reason. Like I, I have parents that not only want their kids to practice basketball every day of the like week, uh, they want them to play every weekend, and then they want extra on top of that. And my point is, I practice these kids two or three times a week. I, I think they're they're eleven and twelve years old. L- let them go play something else. None of them, none of the kids in my program of the really good ones, except my son, play another sport. I think it's imperative that you play other sports. I've had dads call me or DM me on Instagram. Um, from tournaments that we've seen, kids that are really, really good. What can I do to get my son to the NBA? Dude, there's, he's 11. He's, right. Like, you're genetic, you're 5'11, my man. You're 5'11, 225. I, I saw your wife. She's 5'2. Like, that kid's not playing in the NBA. Their genetics didn't eventually get involved. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. The of him playing the NBA aren't good. You know what you could do for him? T- like, let him do something else, man. Introduce him to another sport. Have him round out his life a little bit. So, like, when this doesn't work out, he is not absolutely crushed because he hasn't done anything else in his life. His whole world has been basketball. I had a mom tell me two years ago, Mike, these kids were in the fourth grade. Her son thinks he wants to play in the NBA and she thinks it's a realistic, realistic expectation. I'm like, what am I, what are we doing? He's in the fourth grade. And then there comes the pressure on focusing on one sport, which I'm, firmly against the only thing I'm trying to decide with my kids as they get older, at what point should you make that decision? Right. Their mind clearly aren't there yet. It's 11, 10 and six. They're, they're babies. But I think you are seeing other parents at that age start to get pressure either from coaches who are saying, no, 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 I need your kid year round. If we're yeah. playing travel soccer, yeah. you have to be there year round. Abby Wambach, of course, uh, the highest goal, um, international goal scorer of all time said, I almost feel bad for kids who are earmarked so young. We're making it harder for our kids to become fully well-rounded athletes or fully rounded well-being, uh, well-rounded human beings as adults. I could not agree more. And here's what I don't understand. I guarantee you, if we polled a hundred, a thousand professional athletes, they would encourage Younger kids to play as many sports as sure. you can, to try them all, and to wait, wait, wait till you specialize in that sport. I think the poll would probably come back 80% or greater would say, yes, play multiple sports. Why doesn't anybody listen to that advice? 
because you are seeing younger and younger specialization in sports, well, which I'll, is leading to you know why? Because because John right mm-hmm. sees little like Teddy, um, and he says, "Man, little Teddy's skill level is really really good. Little Johnny's skill level isn't that good. We got to get little little Johnny. You got to spend more time because you got to keep up with little Teddy." And then Richard right <laughs> sees little Richie can't keep up with Johnny, and he's like, "Oh damn, we got to get little." And that's the snowball effect because someone is specifying and and specializing right, mm-hmm. and then it's keeping up with the Joneses. They're they're like, "If I want to give my kid a chance." He's got to be doing what, 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 what they're doing. The catch is, Danny, like, you know this. Most of the kids that were the best and most physically gifted when they were 11 years old, by the time they're 15, chances are they're not the most physically gifted anymore. Do you know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of genetic things that happen. There's a lot of, you know, hormonal things that take place. You know, pe- people reach their peak early and, and you just don't know. So, like, I am for working at what you do. Like, if you choose to play, my kids say they want to play lacrosse. Let's do it. Let's right. play lacrosse. Now, we're going to try to get better at lacrosse. Like, we're going to go out there. We're going to work on your skill level and stuff like that. That's fine. But I, we're not going to try to turn you into pro lacrosse player. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. you have to have some perspective on that. There's a difference in giving your child every chance to succeed, which is my goal. Like, I want to give my my daughters the best chance to succeed right. at whatever it is yes. they want to do, not force some specific skill set down their throat and just kind of force it down their throat. I don't want to do that to them. Right. I, I want them to be more well-balanced because there's a lot of, of unfortunate childhoods that have ended up in rough patches as adults because they were forced to do something or there was too much pressure on them at such a young age. You, you touched on the social thing. like, And I haven't even I, – I just kind of thought about – like step outside of the world of sports and talk about just child prodigies and, and like – you know, actors like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And like the Michael Jacksons of the world. People that weren't allowed to have a normal childhood because they were so good at something just outside of the realm of sports. Most of the times they're not well adjusted people. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a hard thing, um, uh, for them to give up to chase that, that dream. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying like how it works out great. Right. Uh, I'm just saying I don't Michelle I, Wee is actually probably one of the ones that I don't, think she's viewed as a flop or a bust or she obviously doesn't have any problems she's been she's had some success on the lpga yeah, but, went to high school, but you went remember to but but see that's where i think she's a really good example of a healthy environment because her parents tried to keep her somewhat normal right and she was exceptional when she grew up she was pegged to be the female tiger woods she was challenging to play in men's events and she went to Stanford, right. got her collegiate, didn't take the fast track, like still had a life. And I think she's a really good example of, hey, you just because you're a child prodigy doesn't mean you have to be the next Tiger Woods. You can still have a really great life and a great setup, but you're balanced. And that's more important than being the best ever. Or the and what happens if a kid if a kid learns to only see his value or her value in a sport? That's and a that problem. doesn't work out for them. Like. Think about how you failed as a parent. If they, if the only value they associate themselves is, is with that sport that you've trained them to be this prodigy in and it doesn't work for injury or any other reason, like, uh, you failed as a parent. Shall we quote, as much as sports seem like everything, they aren't. Uh, a lot of parents could take note of that advice. All right, welcome to Kinell and Bell. So I got a little hyped up, uh, caught up in our conversation yeah, there. I forgot we have the NBA Finals tonight. Tonight? Kickoff, and I want to make some money. Like, that's why I need to oh, really you uh, start okay, picking your brain about go. some right, of that. Right, right. We will get to the 18-game possible NFL, NFL schedule tomorrow because I'm sure there will be some more breaking news on that anyway and uh, the reality of that if that could happen. But we have the Raptors uh-huh. playing against the Warriors. I asked you the other day about who do you think was favored in this game. I thought it was fascinating. You actually have Toronto as a one and a half point favorite now at right. most sites. 
that even though the Warriors are this dynasty, even without Kevin Durant, I still thought they would be the favorite in this game. I think most people do because a lot of money's coming on the Warriors. But I think that tells you the foolish money's on the Warriors. I think the smart money is on the home team and the Raptors in game one with that crazy atmosphere. So Probably. I think that's where I'm leaning is I'm going to take the Raptors. Although if that line gets bumped up to two, then I'm thinking maybe, maybe find some value on the Warriors. Yeah, I don't see. I'm not an experienced better like you, so I can't speak to the one. Right. Well, who do you two points? Right. Right. But um, who do you think wins this game one? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, man, because I could see a scenario in which Golden State comes out after nine games, just razor sharp punches Toronto in the mouth before they knew what hit them. Um, Steph's got 23, and Clay's got 18. Draymond's, you know, and, and it's just like we're down 17. I could also see a scenario in which they've been off for nine. Right. Sloppy. And they're sloppy missing. and they've traveled and it's, it's, it, it's, you know, Toronto is excited to be there. So I, I tend to lean with the home team in game one at home. So I'm going to go with the home team, although it's happened a couple times. This, this playoffs where the home team's lost game one. I'm going to say Toronto tonight. I got to see how the money plays out. I'm going to see if the trend still continues with all the money coming on the Warriors. Then I'll stay with the Raptors. But if that comes back to even at all, or if that number gets a little bit bigger, if it goes up to two, I'll probably take the Warriors. But I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. All right, let me do some of these um, some of these props for yeah. tonight's game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard over or under thirty point five, thirty and a half points. It's a big number. Big number, but he's been he's been false. That. Yeah, he, he's been like he was averaging almost thirty five at one point. Over or under thirty and a half. We're uh, we're two games this year. Well, they gave us all that information. Uh, I'm gonna take. Um, Kawhi over. All right. If you think that was high, yeah. Steph Curry, thirty-one and a half. Yo. Um. <laughs> I picked Toronto to win two, so Kawhi's over. I'll say Steph under twenty-eight. All right. If Steph has twenty-eight points and they lose, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But the greater conversation we had yesterday: Steph Curry Finals MVP. He is the favorite right now at minus 154, the heavy favorite. Kawhi Leonard at plus 245, Draymond plus 700, Kevin Durant a long shot with the injury uh, question marks as well. Do you think Steph Curry gets that finals MVP in this series? Yeah, because I think they will ultimately win. Um, and for that to happen, Steph's got to be really good without Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, Steph Curry's going to get the MVP. I hope he does. I actually see selfishly. I hope Kevin Durant doesn't play. Right. I want to, because I think it adds a whole nother dynamic to Kevin Durant's legacy. You know, if they can win it without him, what does that mean for him? What does it mean for him? I don't know. In your like, opinion, like what? I mean, what he's still think? the best. He's still like. Oh, no, what does best. it mean for him uh, in terms of uh, re up, re upping with with Golden State? Do you think it? I don't know, but I think it's a good conversation to have, and we'll be able to have that if this all unfolds. But I think for Steph Curry, for his legacy, I think over the past since Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, I think he's probably been the most underrated player in the NBA. Yeah. Because he just always gets pushed aside, which I think was by design when they signed. I think Steph Curry was cool with that and was like, hey, I just want to win and yeah. I'll go ahead and do that. If he gets a finals MVP, I think he'll be thrust into that conversation or at least should be. And it depends on how it unfolds. But we've always talked about who's the best player in the world, LeBron, Kevin Durant, or Kawhi Leonard. Why not Steph Curry? Especially it, if he has a finals MVP. I think it's so silly that he needs to like, Check the box. I agree. MVP but he, he has his haters. And no, if he gets and, it, I think he'll it, be able to shut him up. And it will. It will shut a lot of people up. I just think it's silly that a dude that's as, compli as accomplished as he is has won as many championships as he has. We're talking about he's got to check a finals MVP box. But Who wins the series? You yeah, got Warriors in six? Yeah, I got Warriors in six as well. Both on the same page. Break it down tomorrow.